Hey guys, welcome back to Direct a Podcast. As always, this episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, the Eightfold Collective and Musicbed. This episode of Direct a Podcast is sponsored by Musicbed. Just like scouting, filming, and editing, having great music should be an asset to your film, not a roadblock. Musicbed is dedicated to making that a reality. That's why they've completely rebuilt their platform of over 650 world-class artists and composers with brand new features, workflows, and checkout process. And with advanced search filters like Include Exclude, Beats Per Minute, Key Song Build, and more, finding the perfect song has never been easier or faster. Get 20% off your next on-site license with the coupon code DIRECT20. Learn more at musicbed.com new. This week, we've got a bonus episode for you guys. We're taking a break from our normally scheduled programming of chatting with directors to talk to Short of the Week founder, Jason Sandy. A couple of weeks ago, I was out at Sundance, and I was just checking out all these incredible short films, and it really just kind of got the wheels turning in my brain, wondering what the future is for short films and short form content in general. And I just started wondering if in the future there'll be any more opportunities for selling short films or if there'll be more brands that are interested in getting involved in the front end to kind of, you know, help solve those costs up front. And as I was kind of mulling that over, I was riding the bus and I ran into Jason. And, you know, after we started talking a little bit and I found out his background, I just thought, who better to speak on this topic than somebody who works exclusively in the short form and short film medium and does so at the highest level. So, yeah, I just thought it'd be really cool to get Jason on and give his insight and give his perspective on this because I know for myself as a filmmaker and anyone who's really interested in making short films or short form content, I think you'll find his perspective really interesting. So without further ado, let's get to the call with Jason. Here we go. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure. Cool. So why don't you go ahead and fill those in that might not be familiar with yourself or short of the week and, and what you guys do? Yeah, I am the co-founder alongside Andrew Allen of Short of the Week. Uh, we like to call ourselves the web's premier uh, short film resource. We curate short films that are freely available for anyone to watch online to a global audience. And uh, at this point now, after doing it for about 12 years, we have a collection of 3,000, over 3,000 great short films uh, that we've written up complete reviews for that spread uh, the whole gamut of styles and formats, documentary, animation, experimental, narrative, comedy and it's just a really great uh resource for those who are interested in short film who love short film or wanting to learn more and especially filmmakers as well who often get started in short films and and don't really know where to start when it comes to learning about the medium and learning about some of the great work that's happened in the past so how did short of the week get it start how did you come up with the idea for it yeah, our origin story is is not terribly compelling, but I'll, I'll tell it anyway. Uh, I met my co-founder, Andrew, at the University of Washington in Seattle, where we were both going to school. He was a designer. Uh, I was 
into philosophy and uh, also doing a minor in, in film studies. University of Washington didn't have a film program, though. And so we were part of uh, the UW Film Club, which was a student organization where we were collecting all the people from different programs who were interested in filmmaking. And it, we kind of pooled our resources and did events. And one of the events that we did is, you know, a year-end student film festival. And I think after our final film festival, you know, I turned to Andrew. I was like, wow, these are really great films this year. And it'd be great to have some way for people to see these in the future. Like maybe we could burn them to a DVD and, and put them in the school library. And Andrew turns to me and he's like, Jason, it's, it's 2005. Like we can put them on the internet. So we encoded them as quick times and put them on the school server and fed them off of, uh, our club webpage and we're like, this makes a lot of sense. You know, broadband was getting to that point. Video encoding was getting to that point. That streaming video was, it felt like on the verge of becoming a real thing. And sure enough, you know, YouTube and Vimeo were right around the corner, I think, in 2006. And the idea just sort of stuck with us. We were big fans of short films because there's the Seattle International Film Festival that was right in our backyard that we went to every year and we always especially like going to the short film programs and we're like, man, these are great. And, and there was always a little bit of sadness after a program when you knew that you saw something that you really liked and you realized that was the last time you were ever going to see it most likely. Right. And we just were thinking ahead and we're like, you know, again, with YouTube, with Vimeo, with video on the web, like this could be short films time. Like short film could take over the internet. That was our thinking at the time. It was a little bit naive, but uh, Andrew, being a designer, he wanted to learn how to make uh, web pages. As a film writer, I, I wanted a place to sort of practice my writing, and so we came up with Short of the Week, and we literally would review one short film that was available for free on the web a week and write a little review about it. Uh, in the way that, you know, your, your newspaper film critic would. And, uh, you know, a lot of those early films were kind of classics of the medium that we just learned about through Googling and reading books and sort of things like that. A lot of them were from up-and-coming emerging filmmakers who were having QuickTime files embedded on their websites. It was a real fun time because it was a lot of, like, hunting and searching and researching uh, and there weren't good resources on what was going on in the festival world. So it was a lot of like word of mouth and trying, and that just ended up being my education. You know, I didn't have any in to the industry. Uh, I just had time as a recent college grad to invest in it and sort of made myself into an expert. So, you know, through watching just, you know, I can't even imagine how many short films you've watched. I'm I'm kind of wondering, like, what are some what are some qualities that that you've kind of narrowed down to maybe are are some things that you look for that maybe classify a, a great short film in your opinion? I mean, obviously, there's no science to it. There's no magic bullet to to creating great content. But I'm just curious if there's any kind of through lines that you've noticed through 
all of your viewings of short films? Yeah, it's it's a bit of a difficult or complicated question. I'll start back kind of again going to our origin story. Uh, One of the good things that we did when Andrew and I created the site was we had a really strong thesis about what we were about. We were about storytelling being this sort of timeless philosophy that runs throughout human history and film being an expression of that. And we also looked at the marginalized role of the short film as a medium and said, short film should be a playground for doing new things. You know, you don't have to suffer notes or pressures from financiers or worry about commercial viability. So it should be a place that is a testing ground, a proving ground for emerging voices to tell innovative new kinds of stories. And in those early days, a lot of that was technological. It was about doing things that were formally interesting uh, with style, with techniques, uh, with um, all sorts of manners of playing around with the actual shape or structure of stories. And as we've become more popular and become more mainstream, I think some of that still holds true, but we also realize that innovation is not necessarily the shape of the story, but it's the who's telling the story, whom the story is about. And you see that there's innovation in perspective, even when you have sort of familiar uh, kind of arcs. So I think that's primarily what we still like to look for. We still like to look for something that surprises us. Uh, The more films you see, the more you privilege something that comes from an angle or a direction or has a twist or a permutation uh, that still has that capacity to surprise you, to make it seem original. And that is really what we kind of get our kicks out of. Otherwise, I think a couple other rules of thumb are we, we like short films that recognize that they're short films. And that means a couple different things. It means, you know, not condensing your 90-page screenplay into 20 minutes. Uh, the timing is all off. The arc is all off. It, it also means having a complete story within that time frame of the short film. It means not just taking the first act of your feature screenplay and turning it into a a short film. Now, a lot of people have had a lot of success with that. Uh, Whiplash being one of the more famous examples of recent years where he basically just took a scene out of the feature script and turned it into uh, an award-winning short. Uh, But generally, I think recognizing that the nature of the medium and the limitations of the medium and using those to your advantage rather as than as a detriment. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that when making a short film, you, to a certain degree, suffer from a lack of space to do complex characterization uh, and sort of nuanced, slow uh, character arcs. But it does mean that you get the advantage of um, 
being able to dive into high concept ideas quickly and really deliver, um, you know, your unique insight, your unique inspiration for the film in a very condensed package. And there's power in that. You know, I joke around with people a lot that I almost don't watch people think of me as a cinephile uh, because I'm a respected critic in the larger film space, but I don't actually watch that many features anymore because I'm watching thousands of shorts and in my free time, I'm generally watching serialized kind of prestige TV. And I feel like those are the two poles that give me the most value. Whereas with a short, I'm getting to the meat of an interesting idea quickly and it's delivered to me succinctly. Whereas if I want to have slow, in-depth, nuanced development of both plot and character, TV actually achieves that uh, more functional or in, in a better package than uh, than a ninety-minute or two-hour feature. So the two-hour feature almost feels anachronistic to me in some sense. Though I mean, I did go to Sundance recently and and almost watched exclusively features while I was there and. I was very happy to to realize that yes, the state of feature film is still strong. Absolutely. No, I want to I want to come back to that uh, that kind of point in a second. Um, but you know, maybe kind of along the same lines of the previous question. But what what to you is an indication of of a strong voice, uh, a filmmaker with with a strong point of view? Uh, what are what are some some indicators that that you look for, um, some ways that you can discover that voice or point of view? You know, I don't get too much into the weeds of the actual creation process. I talk to a lot of filmmakers on a regular basis about all sorts of manners of things, including you know inspiration and development, how they approach their work. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I usually come from a place of critiquing a piece that's rough cut or later. Uh, that said, though, I will say I'm I come at it from a little bit of a snobbish point towards filmmaking itself. You know, a lot of people are very much from a, a writer-centric uh, point. And don't get me wrong, 90% of the short films that don't work, don't work, or it should have been apparent at the script level. Uh, It's a lot of structure or development or story that could be figured out really early. But when I get really jazzed about a creator, it's usually because they're doing something interesting on a visual level. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's tough. Uh, It used to be when we first started this that you could really tell who was serious and who knew what they were doing within the first five, ten seconds of a film because, you know, the technology was so hard it was so hard to get good looking images back in the day of you know a dvx 100 or something like that uh now everybody has these incredibly potent slrs uh that shoot 4k and they have a wide range of glass and it's almost trivial to be able to produce like an interesting image uh so it ends up becoming a more nuanced appraisal uh on an image level but at the same time it's still 
pretty apparent uh, when someone has a grasp of, you know, how to do visual storytelling in a fresh, vibrant, exciting sort of way. So, and that extends to all sorts of mediums as well. You know, we get a lot of sci-fi work um, and genre work that comes through short of the week and, uh, you know, you end up appraising the world building that goes on in those kind of environs. And especially since that's become such a nice shortcut, easy way to break into a larger industry, you know, we've probably featured 30 to 50 short films in the last three or four years that have gone on to do development deals on the back of those short films with major studios. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times you, you see that a lot of the thought or what you would call voice ends up being really superficial. It's just adding a little bit of an animation layer on top of it of the FX uh, Cinema 4D layer to kind of slightly alter what is recognizable uh, environments or stages or settings without really kind of going all in in depth and thought and um, into what you're trying to achieve. So I think it visually, it you know, creating something that's original and that's that has voice. You know, it's, it's a little bit ineffable to try to define it. And yet at the same time, uh, you can tell when there's a level of mastery and depth and thought that's put into all the sort of key decisions that a filmmaker is making. And um, it, it seems like a cop out, but you you sort of see it when you know it. Mm-hmm. No, totally. Or you know it when you see it. Right. <laughs> I got that backwards. Um, how, how do you feel as though the medium of, of short films have changed in the last decade? I, you know, I think we, we went through a phase where, again, the technology just became so much more accessible. So you're seeing so many more people who are playing in the space than they were before because access to the tools has become so much more widely distributed. And this was, you know, 2009 to 2015, maybe. And then it was a really exciting democratic sort of period. And that sort of coincided with, sided with the rise of Shore of the Week becoming a major platform. It coincided with uh, Vimeo becoming a major platform. And, you know, eventually I did parlay short of the week into a role as curator of Vimeo where I ran staff picks for five years. And, uh, it always, it felt like there was a lot of creativity when you were bringing these sort of advanced tools and putting them into more, more sort of diverse voices. I think that's sort of settled down a little bit now. I think largely for good, which is that video on the web has become really established now and it's become a lot more corporatized. Uh, There's so many of these media entertainment outlets that have 
really big video outputs on Facebook, on YouTube. And, you know, a lot of the filmmakers who are making original kind of independent work are able to, to make some good money uh, working for those kind of outlets. And also, but it does mean that the style and the sort of creativity and originality, I think, has been tamped down just a little bit as there's so much more just content out there that's sort of competing for, for attention and eyeballs. And this sort of little independent sphere that we had crafted and nurtured is suffering a little bit from a result. I think what it also means, though, is, is that, you know, a lot of people are sort of retreating back from wanting to compete in this sort of online space. It's harder to stand out on YouTube. It's harder to stand out on Vimeo. And we're seeing a little bit of a resurgence of a sort of festival mindset where, you know, four or five years ago, a lot of people were taking into account this idea of like, how do I craft something that will work online? They were thinking very much about having to hook, you know, an audience within the first 10 seconds, say, or really trying to keep the run times of their shorts, well, short. Right. And now I'm starting to see, I feel, I, I haven't really looked into this on a qualitative level you know, analytical level, but it's, it's more of a sense that I get that, you know, people are starting to let those run times bloom again into 15, 20 minute films. Uh, so we're getting a lot more ambitious, but, you know, longer uh, short films that are getting submitted to us as well. So, you know, I don't really know what the high level takeaway is. I think the revolution sort of happens and, you know, short films and short films on the internet have become a very established way to sort of progress a young filmmaker's career. You know, I'm always constantly surprised still to this day, you know, we get the feedback from filmmakers whom we featured on our site and, you know, on average they're, they're getting at least a minimum of six to eight generals with managers or agents or production companies or studios off the back of being featured on our site and you know sort of talent identification is kind of an overdrive right now in the in the short space and i think that's good uh, but it also means that then you know a lot of the best talents are are getting those opportunities to move on to other mediums and that aren't continuing to create in the short space as well so right Everything has a trade-off. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I kind of feel like back to what you're saying, like I think almost because there's so much content out there and even if you have a compelling first 10 seconds, I think there's just so much content out there that if the rest of it's not good, it's not really going to be shared by people. So I almost feel like the reason for that emphasis going back to going to making longer versions of things is just I'm just going to make – the best thing that I can possibly make. And those are at the end of the day, the things I, I still, I still do think there's that great films will, you know, receive the light of day because, because they will be shared. And, and I think you've seen that even in, in the commercial space as well. Like I, I think Europe is, is quite a bit ahead of us in that where a lot of, a lot of companies out there are putting out 10 to 15 minute films uh, they're like branded content films 
that's about Volkswagen or something like that. And it seems it seems so crazy in today's day and age to put something that long out there. But if it can convey an emotion and get people to remember it, it will be shared and and viewed as more than just a commercial. So I don't know. I kind of think that yeah, that comes from I, I that mean, absorption of content. I think that's that's right, which is, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I think the fact that the space has so much more attention than it did, even if it's competing with an ever exponentially expanding sort of content universe on the internet in general, that it feels like maybe it's backtracking in relation to that, like there's still more total attention and things that are really worthy and really undeniable um, don't slip through the cracks anymore. That's kind of the dirty secret, I think, of this is, you know, we provide a lot of advice to filmmakers uh, about optimizing releases, how to go to press, how to try to get more attention for your work. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's not that many examples I can think of of people who are consistently putting out just dynamite work that aren't being rewarded for it, you know? Right. I will say, though, that, you know, because of the sort of homogenization of video on the web through publishing outlets, through advertising, I do think that there's been a backsliding of kind of creativity and risk-taking. You know, you thought... You mentioned that you think that, you know, European production companies are, are really doing some innovative work in the branded space. Uh, but I would argue that, you know, branded, the dream of branded content sort of peaked in like 2012, 2013, when storytelling and, you know, long form or, I mean, short form series content uh, that was branded you know, really had its sort of high watermark. And I think that we've kind of retreated back to safer, uh, kind of more conventional spots or comedy hits or pre-roll and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And you see it in fashion film. You know, there was so much deliriously weird and original and innovative uh, video work that was going on in the fashion industry circa 2010 to 2012. And I think that a lot of that is retreated back to, you know, the realm of the 30 second spot or the two minute film that's basically just kind of a glorified catalog photo shoot set into motion, uh, which, you know, it's a little bit um, distressing to me as a person who considered myself a fan of what was going on in fashion film at that time. Um, but I think it means that, you know, there's just a lot of pe more up and coming filmmakers who are getting subsumed earlier and earlier into kind of paid commercial work. And, you know, short film has never been something that pays the bills. And so I can't really decry that trend because I think that there's a lot more people who are able to build their skills uh, working in the, in the industry now than there were before. You know, I guess talking about, short film the medium of short film specifically do you see as as content is as getting as getting shorter do you see there being any more of a marketplace any type because i know there's things that have started up where they're trying to actually 
websites that are selling some, like Netflix like subscriptions to to short films and I've even noticed that Netflix themselves has even started to feature short films and short documentaries. Do you see there there being uh, any momentum in the space of filmmakers actually getting paid to produce short films? Yeah, you know, there's there's certain programs out there and there's still brands uh, that are, are doing good work in the short film space. You know, I just decried what was going on in fashion film, but the Italian brand Miu Miu has uh, a short film sort of program that they're on their 17th short film where they pick really prominent up-and-coming female directors to do. And they produce dynamite work. You know, there's also, um, in a similar vein, uh, Refinery29 has this program called Shatterbox, where they produce a slate of short films from female directors every single year. Uh, And I think that's a pretty notable and laudatory sort of effort. That said, I don't think... You know, short films are expensive compared to producing a sort of derivative three to five minute web piece that you can put up on social media platforms. And I don't think it will ever make cost sense to people with money to really bankroll these in in high numbers. As far as monetizing sort of existing content, like websites that you mentioned who are trying to create a subscription VOD service around short films. You know, Short of the Week would be, we would be the natural place to try to get an initiative like that off the ground. Yet, you know, I've, I've looked into it, I've really thought critically about it, and I've just sort of concluded that it will not work. And there's two kind of headwinds against it, which is one, there is so much free work that is available on Vimeo and YouTube and other sort of platforms. How you would differentiate the work that you're featuring as being worth, you know, another subscription uh, for viewers when they already have five, six subscriptions that they're already subscribing to Netflix, Hulu, HBO, whatnot, is going to be really challenging. And the low profile of the work itself is really challenging. Now, I get really amped when, you know, a Sundance Grand Prize winner, Grand Jury Award winner is is going to come on to Shore of the Week. You know, we had it last year with uh, Fove, for example, uh, which was a film that won an award at Sundance and was up on Shore of the Week within you know, three or four months and eventually went on to being one of the five Oscar nominated shorts this year. But I don't think, and everybody who watched it was like, wow, that's amazing. But like no one has any sort of sense of anticipation because there's no sort of marketing push. There's no sort of apparatus to hype this work up. So I think that the people who would potentially have access to this supposed subscription VOD product would probably appreciate it. But I think that the marketing of acquiring new subscribers is just sort of insurmountably 
a challenge. And unless you get scale relatively quickly, is it really worth the filmmaker's benefit to the benefit to put themselves behind this sort of gated paywall? Because the argument that we've always made is, is that under the current sort of economic reality, you cannot normally, you know, 99% of the short films out there cannot make back their production budget. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to make back your production budget, maybe you should just treat your short film as an investment in yourself and an investment in getting it seen and distributed as widely as possible in the hope of benefiting you as a creative voice to be able to create awareness and opportunity of what you're able to do and monetize it by signing to you know a production company roster or getting kind of brand direct commercial work or getting a development deal at a studio or something like that. And if that's the case, then the incentives are misaligned because you do want to be on a broad free platform like a Vimeo or a YouTube that can make sure that your exposure is as wide as possible rather than putting yourself behind a, a paywall. So that's really the, the kind of challenge uh, with that sort of model. Mm-hmm. I saw this when I was working at Vimeo. You know, before I left in 2016, Vimeo was pushing uh, full force ahead towards a subscription VOD product of its own. And this wasn't going to be primarily short form work. It was going to be, you know, the features on Vimeo on demand and, and bringing in new content libraries and all that sort of thing. Uh, but I just felt very early in the process, like this is not going to work. You know, in my mind, a subscription VOD product needs to be aggressively niche, like Shutter, something that's appealing to a pre-existing fan base that really wants one particular thing. In Shutter's case, horror, or in Crunchyroll's case, uh, anime. Mm-hmm. Or it needs to be really broad, everything to everyone. And if you're going to be everything to everyone, uh, you better be willing to spend hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in sort of content acquisition and creation costs. So, And that's one of the big problems is, is that short film is a, a medium, not a style. And so you get short films in all shapes and sizes and people love the individual short films that they see. How many people are short film fans, first and foremost, that would be willing to pay for something because it's a short film rather than the unique attributes of the short films themselves? Right. I don't know. Uh, You know, we haven't actually tested it out, um, but, you know, I put a lot of thought into it. And I just don't think at this time that it's it's probably a workable solution. Yeah, it it almost seems like it would would need to be something where everybody got on board with like one idea and like including including filmmakers that they were everyone was going to only exclusively put their films through through this content because like as soon as some people started to release theirs for free it just seems like all hell would break loose and the system collapses so yeah and you know you could potentially create uh sort of a window 
perhaps in the same way that features have theatrical windows versus uh, transactional VOD versus subscription VOD versus cable, you know, premium first run cable. You know, you, you, you could start getting complicated in that way, but then, you know, you start introducing a lot of complexity into the, into the process. And is there enough payoff in terms of total demand to, um, to justify that sort of complexity? You know, it's an open question and I, I'm willing and eager to see somebody prove me wrong because mm-hmm. I think that's, is one of the big things that is sort of unfortunate about this space is that there is a lot of talent here. And I think that the end product, uh, the films that we're featuring on short of the week, you know, deserve to be seen. And if something is providing that sort of value to audiences, you know, the filmmakers deserve to get paid. Um, but we haven't really figured out a, a proper sort of compensation structure for that. So it's something that we are continuing to think about, you know, it's like, could we get brand sponsors into short of the week to sponsor a slate of films where they would have presented by XYZ brand Mm -hmm. in the beginning of their film is in the video file. And could we then kick three, $4,000 to each filmmaker that way? You know, that's, that's something that we've, you know, actively talked to, uh, to add buyers and brands about. And, uh, you know, we could also potentially go kind of a, a Patreon route. Like, could we create, you know, a community that is pledging a certain amount of money that is, you know, entirely a pool that goes 100% to the creators uh, of whose films we're featuring? These are things that we're thinking about as well. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely uh, an ever-evolving thing, too. Um, what So what advice? A filmmaker has, has just finished their short. They come up to you. They're asking you for advice on, on what to do with it. Should I submit to festivals? Should I should I just release it online through something like Short of the Week? What, what are you telling them? Um, we have an article that we wrote last year called uh, – be everywhere all at once that sort of outlines in a little bit more depth are thinking about this question. You know, I think a lot of people think that there's a divide between online versus festival. And in reality, like we don't perceive that kind of divide. We think that the most important thing for a filmmaker to do with their film is to get exposure and create opportunity for themselves as a creative And festivals and online distribution both can further those two goals. What we say is that ultimately, you know, aside from a real handful of top-notch globally recognizable film festivals, your festival run won't actually achieve much in either of those two goals, though. Uh, because, you know, you're geographically limited to whomever shows up at those festivals and even the most prestigious festivals in the world, you know, there's not a lot of industry that's going to the shorts programs there. So I think that there's a certain prestige to getting into top-notch film festivals that you can't discount whatsoever. Plus you also get access to the larger infrastructure of those festivals. 
So Tribeca, Sundance, Berlin, you know, they all have these um, institutes that are attached to them where you could get into the labs, you can get professional mentoring for your feature script, that sort of thing. And that's all something that you can't ignore either. Uh, but I think what a lot of people still don't realize is, is that, you know, your primary release is your online release because that's where you're going to get the most inroads into people discovering your work who want to follow up and who might actually be able to help your career move forward. So, you know, we suggest doing online and festivals in tandem. So, you know, as soon as the film is done, submit to, you know, your online sort of platform of choice. Uh, short of the week, we take submissions and we get over 4,000 a year. And if we like it, we can tell you that we like it and that we want to feature it. It doesn't mean that it has to be featured immediately. You know, if you want to go onto the festival circuit and stay there for six months or something like that and then go online, like we can accommodate that. Uh, but it helps with your, your planning. And you just want to make sure that your plan is holistic and that it is laser focused on maximizing whatever reason that you made a short film, your short film for in the first place. How much truth would you say to it as far as like, are there, are there a lot of festivals that won't accept it if it has premiered online? There are a lot of festivals that have premier restrictions that include online and um, especially a lot of the European film festivals. Mm -hmm. Here in America, it's, it's less common. So, you know, your big festivals like Sundance and South By will accept online films. It's not against the rules. You're not going to be disqualified for it. And basically every year there's a handful of films that uh, in their official programs that have been online before. Now, a little bit more of a gray area, just to be completely forthright about it, is if a film is online, and especially if it's been seen widely online, is that going to affect the programmer's decision-making process? Would they want to privilege a film that is a world premiere uh, more highly than an equivalent film of quality that, you know, has already been seen a hundred thousand times online. That's a case to case basis and it's a risk, but you know, we have a resource on our website. Um, you can just Google up, I think film festival eligibility and short of the week, type that into Google and it'll take you right to that post where we've created a sort of a database of maybe about 130 of the more prominent film festivals in the world and a link to their rules and whether or not they have premier restrictions that uh, prevent you from being online and also being eligible for those festivals. So that's a good resource that a lot of people get uh, use out of that you can find on Short of the Week. Cool. And, you know, I think our high-level takeaway was, some. again, we were only concerning ourselves with you know, about 120, 130 of what we think are, you know, the biggest, most prestigious film festivals in the world. And we found that two thirds of them did not uh, have explicit um, restrictions against you being online. Yeah, that's that's honestly a lot lower than, than I would imagine. 
Um, what, so, you know, what's, what's in the works for, for the future as short of the week? I know when we spoke recently, you mentioned a couple, a couple of programs that you guys are working on. Maybe talk a little bit about those. Sure. Um, you know, I mentioned it earlier that, you know, we're working, uh, a bit, you know, we don't have any advertising on our site. So the majority of our revenue is coming from uh, from submissions from filmmakers. And so it's $30 to submit your film and uh, we give you a yes or no answer within seven days. We also offer as an upsell, uh, you can get personalized feedback from one of our programmers and that's a popular option that a lot of people take. Uh, but we're looking at ways that we can do larger kind of brand activations that are consistent with our values of design and and tastefulness and hopefully be able to to pass some of that uh, revenue on to to filmmakers we're also looking to kind of expand our footprint into the real world so we're we're sending more and more of our programmers and editors to film festivals around the world and whether that's being on a jury whether that's doing a panel whether that's just kind of showing up and seeing what's there and meeting people. Uh, that's something that we're increasingly uh, prioritizing. We're also, um, you know, constantly working to kind of increase our reach, you know, just like every other website and creative project out there. You know, one of the things that we've done recently is um, we're starting to put more effort into uh, our YouTube channel where we're hosting a selection of shorts that we feature on the site itself uh, on YouTube to try to create um, a presence there. And, you know, as, as a person who was working at Vimeo for a lot of years, I was something of a YouTube or a Vimeo snob and was constantly looking down on the YouTube community. Uh, but as I've been digging in more, I, I've been realizing that there's actually a lot of like thoughtful, knowledgeable film fans on YouTube and sort of the mechanism of the platform in terms of promotion and, and algorithmic spread uh, through recommendation through sidebars is really quite impressive. And you're seeing a lot of like really quality work that is finding an audience over there that's appreciative and, you know, is not just all trolls, which is the sort of stereotype that I had in my head. Mm -hmm. So I've been really pleased with that. And we've been kind of slowly improving our, our presence there, which I think is important, which is because I do think that, you know, for the short film community, Vimeo has been the only home for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I have nothing bad to say about Vimeo. I, I love the platform and I love a lot of the people who are there who are making it happen. Uh, but you know, the, the company itself is having a pivot in terms of its direction where they are emphasizing less the platform as a viewing platform, as a place to discover content and kind of reorienting the company towards being a tools company like uh, Wistio or uh, Frame.io that is really focused on providing hosting and uh, post-production tools to brands and to small shops and sort of things. And I think, you know, you, it's, 
that's going to have a trickle-down effect on the sort of viability of the Vimeo sort of content discovery and, and viewing and appreciation community that, you know, we as creators and those who champion creators need to be kind of cognizant of and, and start thinking about other ways that we can branch out and get our work seen in other places. And then lastly, you know, you, you were hinting at what we mentioned uh, when we chatted in Sundance. Um, you know, Shore of the Week has taken uh, on a new partner, uh, a gentleman named Michael Sugar and his company Sugar23 has invested in Shore of the Week. And Michael Sugar is a really prominent uh, manager of talent and uh, producer. He produced Spotlight. He... Uh, was behind True Detective and has a great roster of uh, film directors that he represents, including folks like Kerry Fukunaga, David Gordon Green, Steven Soderbergh, Patty Jenkins. And um, we're looking to explore new opportunities in terms of creating Short of the Week into a pipeline to kind of more established Hollywood. Can we create a connection from the young new talent that we're curating into uh, into TV development, into film development, into brand campaigns. Um, and so it's a really exciting time. This is still relatively new, but we're having a lot of discussions and we're taking a lot of meetings with um, streaming platforms and other sort of production entities about what sort of shape this might take and there's nothing really definite to uh, uh, to hype right now, but you know, subscribe to Short of the Week on all our platforms, and we'll be trickling out news as it develops. Sure. So, does that? It sounds essentially. Would you guys be playing, looking to play more of an active role in in the future of the filmmakers that you're featuring? Is that is that somewhat um, what it's looking like? I think so. I think it would be, you know, it would be something like an intermediate layer between uh, between a festival, just a simple platform that just displays films, and a more hands-on kind of management and agent role. It's like, can we use the credibility that we have in the industry and our industry connections to expand that horizon for the filmmakers themselves? And either just play matchmaker or, again, take a more hands-on role in shaping future IP, future projects, and, uh, and, and developing that and, uh, and being able to make those projects a reality. Uh, but, you know, again, there's a, there's a lot of different ideas that are, are being shot around. You know, could we mm-hmm. be more active in the brand space and... Uh, be serving as sort of a brand studio on the back end of the of the website where we're connecting our talent to uh, to a lot of these companies that you mentioned that you talked about earlier who are looking to really invest in high quality storytelling to help promote their brands and I think that's a, a really promising direction too nice well yeah that, that all sounds super cool um definitely gonna be keeping my eyes out to see where that's headed um you know i guess as, as we're coming coming to an end here just do you have any 
final words that you'd like to maybe leave our listeners with who are primarily filmmakers. So any, any final words you'd like to, to leave with filmmakers, what you'd, uh, words of encouragement? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't really think about that, but I, I would say that now it really is a great time uh, to be a creative. It's, it feels really tough because you have a lot of, it's always been tough. It's always been tough to be a creative and it, it really feels harder in some senses now because there is so much more competition, but there's also so much more opportunity. Like again, we mentioned the opportunities that are happening with brands who are really investing in sort of creative storytelling. Uh, there's such a proliferation of, of content that's being made for the web. Um, and, you know, there's such a boom that's coming from all this technology money that's going into series development. You know, we're, we're really on the brink. You know, you may think that we're at a bubble with the Netflixes and the Amazons of the world, but it's not the case even the slightest because, you know, Disney Plus hasn't even started up. Uh, Apple is getting into the game. Um you have Jeffrey Katzenberg, who's making something called uh, Quibi or Chibi, if you want to take the Chinese pronunciation, yeah. I suppose, which is a brand new platform dedicated to uh, short form storytelling. So I think this is really, if it's not at the bubble yet, we're just at the very start of the bubble in terms of a lot of opportunity out there uh, for creators to, to make their mark. And you don't have to make what everybody else is making. The economics of these platforms are so different that they prize original voices that are true and appealing to the background and the point of view of their creators. And so don't feel like you have to chase something that is not authentic to you. You don't really have to because you don't have to pitch something that's going to be seen by 20 million people. You have to say pitch something that, you know, 1 million people are just going to absolutely love. So I, I think this is a great time to, to be a filmmaker personally. And I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. Yes, it's tough. It's, it's always been tough and it'll continue to be tough. Um, but there's a lot of demand and there's a lot more opportunity that's expanding. And there's a lot of people who are, really invested in discovering those new voices. So uh, stay true to yourself, your vision. Uh, if you're making short form, watch a lot of short films. <laughs> Don't just watch TV shows and features. Uh, but, you know, keep at it. Uh, and we thank you all for, for making this work uh, because we couldn't be short of the week and we wouldn't have anything to champion if you didn't put in the hard work and the, and the sort of creative vision to make it a reality. So thank you. There you have it, guys. That's going to do it for this week. We will be back very soon chatting with some new directors. Potentially, we'll do an episode coming up here where Keenan and I actually talk about ourselves. 
and some projects that we've got going on. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Should be interesting. Or it won't be. You decide. Oh, that was my stomach. All right, you guys have a good one. Bye.